today we have a, a, a every every week we have a meal from Brazil from different states and nation. <laughs> I don't know where it's come from this meal today, but Joe was preparing the meal. Joe is come to serve the meal from the Lord today. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. And yeah, he's looks so sharp. This guy, you see? Oh man. <laughs> Father, thank you so much, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for what you have for us in this morning. We, we open our heart to receive your word, Lord. Use your son, Joe, Lord, with the anointing, with the grace, Lord, to release what's in your heart, Lord, come to our heart through your son. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. Thank you. So um, I guess this in, didn't originate with me, but our brother Tape, we were over his house yesterday, and he, uh, he said I was going to bring the Detroit barbecue or the Detroit meat this, uh, you know, this morning. So that's where I'm, uh, that's where I'm originally from. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so we're going to bring the Detroit meat this, this, this day. You guys ready? All right. All right stay with me as we, as we go through this, and we're just going to... See what God has for us and see if we can put the icing on top of that awesome worship service that we had where the Holy Spirit came down and really touched this place. Uh, it was a blessing. So, can I get my water? So over the, the past month, we've been, thank you, pastor's been uh, sharing on grace. So if you followed us, the uh, topics of discussion has been understanding grace, really knowing what grace is, uh, how grace is wrapped, in, wrapped all around Jesus Christ, how to be shielded by grace, meaning that our protection that we have, our spiritual protection is in grace. And lastly, uh, he talked about the fullness of grace. And the fullness of grace really encompasses everything that Jesus Christ is about. Uh, from, that, uh, from that sermon, Ephesians 3.9 tells us, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that we might be filled with the fullness of God. Now, when you look at this verse, it tells us to Know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge. Like to me, when I was looking at that over the weekend, I thought oxymoron. And no, I'm not talking about your husband. No, I'm not talking about your kids. I'm saying oxymoron is when you have two different things that clash with each other, like original copies or something is found missing. Military intelligence. Military intelligence. <laughs> um, pretty ugly, right? And maybe something this will resonate with some of you, happily married. It could be oxymoron. So it's just a clashing of two different things. And the way I see it is that Paul is asking us to know Christ, and he's saying that it passes all understanding, or passes all knowledge, so to speak. So when you, how can you know something when it passes all knowledge? And, and as we look in Ephesians, uh, starting at Ephesians 3, 
uh, 14, it says, for, for this cause I now bow my knees to the Lord, to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, depth, and height, and, then, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with the fullness of God. So I went through the three points that we have gone through over this past month. Understanding grace, shielded by grace, fullness of grace. In, 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 in this verse in, in Ephesians, he's telling us about the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. And I almost equate that understanding grace can be understanding the breadth of grace. When you think about this, when, when Paul says this, he, 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 he provides four dimensions that he's speaking of. Breadth, length, depth, and height. Understanding grace could be the breadth of grace. Shielded by God's grace can be the length of grace. The fullness of grace could be the height of grace. And then there's one more, one more aspect of grace, the fourth dimension of it. And before I say it, when we think about depth, what are some of the things that we think of? We think about like maybe the depth of the ocean. We think about the depth of space. All these things are things that are very deep that we, we have a knowledge of, we can see to a certain extent, but we cannot really go as deep as we want to go in it, right? Because of the limitations that we have in our physical bodies, we cannot go really deep into the ocean, right? To really see and experience and to, to know all the things that we really want to know about the ocean. And it's the same with space. We can see in space, we can see, you know, from where we are, we can see the stars, we can see, sometimes you can see planets, you can see the moon, but we are not able to really go into space as deep as we want to. We cannot explore the depths of space the way that we really want to. We have to use technology, but technology to see into those things, but technology does not give us the experience that we really want to have to, uh, to see those things. When you think about death, think about your, your favorite subject that, you, that maybe interests you. For me, it's music, right? On the, on the surface, we think about music, we, we just experience. But when you peer down deep into music, you discover it's a whole depth of uh, knowledge and understanding that is required to really master that. Right? You have to know about you know, scales, you have to learn about uh, resolution and, and all these different things. And so this fourth dimension of grace, which is depth, is really understanding what it is, under, really understanding the manifestation of grace. The manifestation of grace. And when we think about the manifestation of grace, we think about why, why do we need grace in the first place? Why is there, 
Why is there a need for us to have grace? Why is that something that, is, 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 that we anchor our faith on? We anchor everything that we, that we think about, everything that we believe, we anchor it in grace. You see, grace, when I think of grace, the reason for grace is a word that's sprinkled throughout the Bible. And it has a, it definitely has a, I don't I'm going to say a bad connotation to it, but the word is wrath, right? When we think of wrath, we think about uh, anger, right? When we think about ourselves, we think about the, um, the realm of human anger, right? When we get upset at something and something really kind of gets at us and then we think about uh, displaying that anger, right? That's usually kind of the form of wrath that we're talking about. It's, uh, I, I define it, this is my definition, uh, is the outpouring of judgment based on where the anger comes from, right? So you think about um, how we get mad at something, somebody makes us mad, or we are, I guess the thought would be something comes in and we're jealous of somebody, right? We're, we're somebody, is, we're jealous of them and we want to, do something to harm that person, right? Or something, something, or do something to get back at somebody. Or we are jealous of something and we want to commit an action against another person, right? And when we do that, that is us, our wrath being incurred on somebody. It was interesting in James uh, 3.16, he says, For where envy and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. And I got to thinking about this, and it's, it's very similar how, how the Bible tells us, um, uh, how do you say it, how we have, uh, I think it's in, in John, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the, these are the things, these, the things that are within us, they usually come out because of those things. And looking at envy and strife, it is the place where all evil, he says, James says, that every evil work. So if you think about everything that, uh, that has been portrayed or things that we do or people have done that has been against other people, the root of it has been these two things, envying and strife. You can, you can almost base everything on these two things where people have done things to other people as far as the human wrath being poured out or being exercised against somebody else. And it can have different, different outcomes. So murder, brutality, or cursing, or, you know, a lot of other things that, that people that, are, that want to harm someone that they do because the wrath that is in them, the hate, or whatever it is that they want to do against somebody has to come out, and it has to come out in these forms. But the one thing about this is that with hum- human wrath is not justified. There's no reason, there's no real uh, claim that we have to really uh, to pour out our wrath against other people. Why is that? Because a lot of the times the very thing, some of the very things that we want to get mad and we want to get at somebody about, those are the very same things that we've been guilty of ourselves. 
You'll find, you'll find many times when you see someone that is upset about something and they're really mad about um, somebody else's behavior, it's usually because that person is doing the same thing, right? You see someone that, that, who has their anger and they're most angry about something. It's because they're guilty of the same thing. You, you meet somebody that hates people that lie, that person's probably a liar themselves, right? And so we really don't have any reason or justification for us to be angry or to, for someone else to be the, um, someone else to incur our wrath. But God is a different story. You say, a lot of times we hear, we hear about the wrath of God. We hear, um, you know, how God is angry and God is, 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 is displeased with, with man and um, the wrath of God, the wrath of God, the wrath of God. Romans 1, 8, 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. And in Psalm 711, it says, God judges the righteous and God is very angry at the wicked. But you know, there's no unrighteousness in God. God is perfect. God is the source. God is everything. God is all in all. Before there was anything, there was God. And God is the one who is the lawgiver. He is the one who sets the standard and always has set the standard for righteousness among men. And so he is able to tell us what to do, so to speak. He's able to give us the guidelines whereby we have to be right with God and that we have to please him. He's the one that dictates the standard for righteousness. In the, in the book of Genesis, when we go back and we look at the original sin, in Genesis uh, 2.17, God tells Adam and Eve, he says, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And then in Genesis 3.6, we see that God gave them that commandment, and um, in that commandment, three six. God gave them that commandment, and we see in Genesis three six where they broke that commandment. You see, God gave them a commandment, and that commandment was God's righteousness. That was the rule that God had given to to Adam and Eve. And some might say that it's, 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 it's just a piece of fruit. It was just a fruit. He just told them to, 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 to not eat of the fruit. That's it. That's all it was. But understand what the scope of it was, right? God gave them this garden, right? He gave them this garden. He gave them the garden to, to till it and to, to, to take care of it. God gave uh, Eve to, to, to Adam to be a companion. God made Adam 
from the dust of the ground. And the Bible says that he was made in his image when he made Adam. And before that, God took six days to make this environment that he gave Adam dominion over. And he gave them a commandment and he said, don't eat of this tree. So God had did all that, all those things for, his, for, for Adam and for Eve, and they disobeyed him. All that. And they went against the commandment of God. And from there, sin entered into the world. So he, it sin entered and it's, it started from Adam. Every offspring that he did, that, that, that came from man, sin entered in. And it was just a perpetuation of it. Birth after birth, everyone born in sin, born in sin. And so this book, this book here, it's the word of God. And it's a history of the failures of man. This is a book that God authored by the Holy Spirit. And within it, he shows us. Grace is threaded throughout this book. The manifestation of grace is threaded throughout this book. Yes, it shows failures. You can see failures from Adam to Abraham to David to Elijah. It's all sprinkled in here. It's not sugar-coated. It's not in here, it's not just, it doesn't just have things that make us feel good, but it, it, it clearly shows the need that we have for grace to really understand it. It's threaded throughout the Word of God. For 4,000 years, over 4,000 years, the Bible covers a history of man's failures, his ups and downs, his good and bad. But the Bible says that after, after that 4,000 years, Galatians 4.4 4 says that at the fullness of time, that at the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, made under the law. Hallelujah. God did that. He sent forth his son. He sent forth grace, the very thing that he manifested. The very thing that he manifested, we talk about the wrath of God. All this time, this, this 4,000 years that have gone by, yes, we see different judgments on people based on kind of what they did and how they disobeyed God, but at the same time, grace. So many times where God had executed judgment, what does it say? Noah found grace, right? Noah found grace in, in the eyes of God. So many times God made a way, made a way for man to receive the grace of God, even when he really didn't deserve it. When there really was not something that maybe God had to do, he still had it. He gave grace because God's wrath will be too much for man to bear. And so God initiated grace. In the fullness of time, just like in the garden, or not in the garden, but in Genesis, God sent his son. He made, or not made, he begotten a son. 
And he put that son in the garden called Israel. And in that garden, he tilled that garden. He healed. He did all kinds of miracles. He forgave sins. He gave people hope. And all the while, while he was doing that, we talked about human wrath. The human wrath was filling up in Jesus' day in the form of the religious leaders, the Pharisees. There was a cup that was, that was brewing over those three years of Jesus' ministry. There was a cup that was slowly filling up, little by little, year by year. And that cup became full. And that cup crucified Jesus. It was because of that cup, because of the wrath of man, because man had envying and jealousy in him. Jesus Christ was crucified. And so that cup of the wrath of man is what put Jesus Christ on the cross. And as I talk about that 4,000 years that it, that it passed by, year after year, people after people, sin after sin, shortcoming after shortcoming, it was filling up a cup. It was another cup that was being filled, and as, as Jesus Christ is on that cross, that same cup was being filled, and that cup was the wrath of God. And on that day, 2,000 years ago, as Jesus Christ, who is the manifestation of grace, he is the manifestation of grace. Man's wrath hung him on the cross, and God's wrath is what summed it up. When God's wrath was poured upon Jesus, if you remember, on Jesus Christ. But what does that mean for me? That means the forgiveness of sins. When the, when the wrath of God was poured upon Jesus, when Jesus, he... Um, he knew it was coming. When, when we read about the, the Garden of Gethsemane, when, when, when Jesus was in the garden and he was praying and he was in agony because he saw this. He saw these things coming. He saw that the wrath was going to be, it was a cup that he was going to drink. And he knew that it was, it was coming. And he was praying that if there's any other way, Father, nevertheless, not my will but your will. And that cup on the cross was poured out upon Jesus. And Jesus died. And he incurred the penalty for sin for us. That by the grace of God that we may have life. Jesus Christ was that manifestation of life or manifestation of grace. And God wants us to know that that work, it was done one time. It was done one time. It was not done again and again and again and again. Jesus said that it is finished. It is finished. That meant that salvation is complete. That there was no other work that needed to be done. The fulfillment of everything that God had said had been fulfilled through Jesus. Jesus had come to this earth. He was planted in that garden of Israel where he lived for 33 years of his life. And he fulfilled everything that God the Father had asked him. 
He lived the perfect life. And he was the perfect sacrifice. So when the sins of sin, that 4,000 years of sin plus the 2,000 plus years up until where we are right now was poured out upon Jesus, it is finished. And he rose again. And he rose again. And he rose again to tell you, I have a gift for you. There's a gift that I have for you, for every single one of you who is living below your means, below the means of grace. You see, the means of grace gives us the ability to stand above sin. It gives us the ability to rise up above the things that bring us down. It gives us the ability to rise, upon, rise above the things that, that keep us oppressed, the things that keep us depressed, because Jesus died for it. The gift of grace is eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's already done. The sins have already been forgiven. And God wants you to accept the gift. That's what he wants. The gift is freely given. Romans tells us that. It's freely given. By Adam, we all die. By Jesus Christ, we all live. And that's what he wants us to know tonight. Accept the free gift of grace that was manifested on the cross. It is our emblem. As that song said, it's our emblem of suffering and shame. Please, can you come? The old rugged cross. He says, I will ever be true. It's shame and reproach I gladly bear. For the dear Lamb of God, he left his glory above to pardon and to sanctify me. To sanctify you. This morning, if you're living in sin, if you don't know this Jesus, if you have never understood the gospel, the good news, that is the good news. Yes, God wants us to prosper. God wants us to have abundant life. But before we have abundant life, we have to have abundant grace. We have to have grace and truth. We have to know that Jesus Christ was manifested so that we could have life. Jesus Christ is the manifestation of grace. Can we all stand?
If you've never experienced that old rugged cross, if you've never experienced salvation, I just invite you to experience what Jesus has for you. To really accept that free gift that he has given us. Of salvation to really come to know him. By grace are we saved. The Bible says that with our mouth we confess Jesus Christ. When we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. When, when they were singing in worship, they sung that song, I Surrender. And it just seemed like the Spirit of God had just come in this place and, and really filled everybody's hearts. And that's the surrender that God wants us to have. That we believe in Jesus Christ and we surrender and we say, God, I'm yours. That you're, I'm yours, Lord. I give my life to you. For you are my Lord. That's what God wants for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the manifestation of grace, Lord. Father, I just thank you for grace. I thank you for grace being the anchor. I thank you for Jesus who is the anchor. And I thank you, Lord, that grace is a free gift that you give us. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here today that, are, or that is here in this building or is watching online, that they don't know you and they want to know you and they want to accept this free gift that you've given us. I pray that they would believe in their heart that the Father sent you, Jesus, and that within you is grace. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Father, we just give this service over to you. I just ask you to have your way. The Holy Spirit would be in every heart and every mind to bring them to the knowledge of the love of God that passes all knowledge.
your hands in your heart if you can. Hallelujah. Say with me, I receive the grace. If you feel any kind of condemnation and feel far from the Lord, this is the time that you can receive the grace, receive salvation, receive forgiveness. Say, by the name of Jesus, I receive salvation. I receive forgiveness. Say with me, I give my life to you, Lord. My soul belongs to you. Write my name in the book of life. I want to live for you every day of my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, thank you for the salvation you gave freely for us in Jesus. We surrender our souls to you in this morning. We trust in you, our eyes is in you, Lord. Lord, you are able and you have done the manifestation of your salvation by grace, Lord. But your grace empowers us for a new life. Your grace empowers us to live for you, Lord. I declare grace upon every one of your children, Lord. They receive empowerment, Lord, to live for you. Hallelujah. To live for Jesus every day of their lives. Hallelujah. Receive grace in the time of need. Receive grace in the areas that you need right now. Hallelujah. Say, I receive in Jesus' name. I receive his grace. I receive his help. I receive his blessing. I receive his forgiveness. I receive his power. I receive his mercy. I receive. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Is available by faith. You can access the manifestation of his grace. It's available for you. He wants to help you. He wants to walk with you. He is amazing. He's wonderful. He's Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You receive? Say thank you, Jesus. Clap to him because he deserves the honor, the glory, the praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for sharing, my friend. Appreciate it. Hallelujah. You will have an amazing week. God has more for us this week. Uh, this coming Tuesday, we have uh, small groups. If you're not a part of a small group yet, I invite you to be a part of a small group and uh, connect with us, talk with someone, the pastors in the end of the service. We can help you. Amen. If you need a prayer, you just can come. We'll pray for you. And uh, give a hug at least seven people, remember? <laughs> Bless you guys. Amazing. Amazing. Bless you guys.